How's it going? This is Unanimous Indecision. Once again, I'm Joshua Troop. Today we will be doing our first movie review, and it is none other than Captain Marvel. Uh, movie just came out. We saw it opening night. Uh, I'm actually here with someone I saw it with. Uh, could you go ahead and say hi? <laughs> hi, my name is Ian Rosmondo. Uh, I was on the pilot episode, and I uh, guess I'm back to talk about Captain Marvel. Yeah. So we had talked about the marketing stuff before, but this is purely about the film, what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, I think for the first couple minutes, let's try and keep it spoiler-free. All right. And then we'll move into a spoiler section, and we'll announce when we're changing. But um, spoiler-free, I I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I walked out really excited. I agree. Um. I think that the um, what? I don't know if we mentioned this in the uh, previous episode about what we thought the plot was going to be. I don't think we did. Well, Josh and I, um, before going into this film, had a basic idea of what the plot was going to be what like the start of the movie is going to be uh, some of the potential twists or um, things that you would have to overcome and essentially how it would end and for the most part we were fairly accurate um, yeah I'd say we were probably like 85% 90% is pretty predictable now does that mean that this was predictable or just we that's what I'm trying to wonder. Is that like maybe it wasn't, but um, I don't know. We got it like off the first or second trailer, and then as soon as they announced Jude Law's character, it kind of solidified everything. Yeah. Um, Spoiler, Jude Law's character. Just kidding, we went. I mean, that's been released. It's on IMDb. Go check it out. Um, or don't. <laughs> or don't yeah and um i will say i think it's a better movie than it is an mcu movie and i think that's what you were talking about or just a few minutes ago before we started is that it it's ranking on mcu movies as, or it's grade on mc as an mcu movie is below it's grade as just a movie yeah, um, overall I think this movie was fairly well done, it had a fairly good beginning, middle, and end, it didn't have an like, anticlimactic end in my opinion, um, so overall I thought it was well, but as it connects to a larger universe, as these MCU movies do, it there was a little bit of retconning done to the larger lore, and the connections just, it didn't hold together as well as some of the um, previous movies franchise. Now, when you say retconning larger lore, are you referring to, like, stuff from the comic books or stuff from other Marvel movies? Mostly from other Marvel movies. Uh, you are far more knowledgeable okay. about comics than I am. I don't know. It's It definitely felt like a retcon from the comics. I don't know if it was necessarily a retcon from the movies, but we'll get into specifics later, of course. <laughs> Have you, by chance, read any of the prelude comics? For this, no, I have not. I have not either. And I'd like to get around to that at some point just to see what um, 
what that talks about. I mostly try to stay away from the prelude comics because I don't want to be have insight any more than I already do. <laughs> because I am so invested in the Marvel Universe and whatnot that... Uh, and I remember so much that happens in it that I just like I don't want to give myself 100% of the picture and that's why I was really complaining with Captain Marvel because the trailers and whatnot they were giving us 80% of the picture and whatnot well how about how would you feel about going to read the prelude comics after having watched the film that way that might be a good idea spoilers into what the film is going to look like but you can at least get the knowledge that the comics offer um, because they are canon in the MCU right which is a little strange Um, like I am all for TV shows and movies being canonical together I think that can work I think it's a little harder to do books and movies canonical together yeah uh, like um, I said, I haven't read any of the pr- uh, Prelude comics, so I, c- I couldn't tell you uh, how well they work, do or do not work. Although, actually, um, having read some stuff in the past, I believe that they have retconned some of the NCU in the Prelude comics. Uh, Interesting. Iron Man 2? Uh, I, I don't want to um, give false information, so I'd have to go back and check that, but I believe that the Iron Man 2 Prelude comic. Uh, retcons and information like what i don't know uh the you can't just leave us hanging like that no that's it we're, we're done this is the podcast over um uh the element that tony stark creates oh they changed it um because i believe well now is that a prelude so is the prelude comics then referring to howard stark kind of developing it I'd have to go back and I'd have to and check. I, I haven't read this. I read about it. And it's been probably over a year since I've looked at right. this. All right. So that's we can, fine. We can, we can call that back in a uh, later episode. Yeah. Um, I thought the acting performances by most of the actors was overall pretty good. Um, I think they performed the roles they were given very well. Um, I had a little bit of a disconnect with Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, and I, I like her as an actress, but I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any of the other films that she has been in, so I, I can't say if this is her acting chops or not. Maybe it was a disconnect with the director and her, the directors and her. I mean, um, I think it's relatively comic book accurate, even though a lot of people say Brie Larson is the exact same way as maybe a, a less emotional uh, actress. Yeah, I could. And uh, the movie definitely shows that, but at the same time, uh, her dr- her humor, when it's very dry, uh, I thought it was very funny. Uh, I that. Even her lines, uh, that those those like uh, witty comebacks to Nick Fury or to Jan Rog, I thought yeah, were, I really were funny. Um, um, the on-screen chemistry between all of the actors was very right i mean between heroes and heroes heroes and villains side characters and heroes like it was all Mm -hmm. it looked like they had been they had known each other for years yeah um 
Um, let's see. Do we have any idea of what potentially this movie is going to make an opening weekend? Uh, I saw that there's some videos that um, are analyzing it. I heard it's already made over $30 million, um, which I don't know if that's good, but considering they were estimating a hundred and something million dollars total, I think, or maybe it was just for opening weekend. I don't know. Um, so according to complex.com, it's looking like, Cap this is all a quote. It's looking like Captain Marvel will be making a lot of money this weekend. The film is projected to garner between 156 million to 160 million during its debut weekend. Yeah. Reports. According to the publication, Captain Marvel made 20.7 million on Thursday night and is expected to make 63.5 million on Friday. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, probably a financial success considering you were saying earlier that they made this movie for 150 million. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I believe their budget um, is reportedly 152 million US dollars. Gosh, that is amazing what they can do with that kind of money. It's a visually stunning film. Um, there's there's like one moment where the CG looks a little off, but other than that, it's pretty good. Which moment was that? I may have caught that. When? Well, I'm not gonna say right now, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's a spoiler section. Uh, I almost. Uh, I mean, it's that that moment's not that big a spoiler, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's visually stunning. Just about everyone's makeup looked pretty good. Um, I wish the Cree were bluer. I guess is my complaint. Yeah. But um, in terms of the ones that are actually blue-skinned Crees, um, understand that. I to see if there was a. I'm always looking for connections. So if if we'd been seen like a. A cameo of a name for like the uh, Casilius family. In this movie, um, if we had like that, have been kind of cool just to draw connections between. I mean, I different franchises and MCU. I mean, I wanted them to. I mean, I, is it a spoiler if they're not in the movie? Maybe I'll wait. I'll hold off on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know what more to say to from a spoiler-free review. It's it was a good movie. They I definitely recommend going to see it. Yeah, it's highly recommended. I mean, it's not necessarily super important to the Marvel universe right now. Maybe it's super important to Endgame. I don't know. Um, but I think one day it will be. Um. And yep. I don't know. I'm excited to see. I'm excited for Endgame. It's it just like this. This movie was just like. Okay, here's something good, and just wait. Yeah. Like, uh, it was like a only two months left, and here's something else. Um, and it was, it was good. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know how I enjoyed it as much as I did with knowing the entire plot. It, Wait, which says something about the movie. Yeah, and you might want to save some of that 
for uh, the spoiler section. Yeah. Um, I want to wrap this a little bit up. Yeah, because we're really trying hard to avoid it, and so we're probably going to go ahead and start spoiling the movie. Um, so if you don't want to hear any spoilers, go see the movie, come back, listen to the rest of this, form your own opinions, and decide whether you disagree with all of us who agree. You That's, have been warned. Yeah. Um, okay, spoiler review starting. So what the it. hell? No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> uh, no, it, it was a good movie. Um, like I said, uh, it's a better movie than it is an MCU movie, and there's I a couple like reasons that. behind that. Um, One of those that I think uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier is the uh, idea that the scrolls are not the villains. Yes. So that's a huge spoiler and. Uh, I'm, I was torn about it, and I don't know how to feel about it now, um, but, yeah, the scrolls kind of end up not being the villains, and that's kind of strange, especially as someone who's read the comics, the, the scrolls are just as bad as the Kree for completely different reasons, and to- This is to a story about the Kree-Scroll War. And in this story, one of the sides is... Yeah, it's it sounds like the Kree are just... I mean, the Kree, sure, they're imperial... Ex, they have imperial expansion. Uh, but, like, you're telling me the Skrulls have been fighting back for hundreds and maybe thousands of years to survive, and that's it? Like... Uh, there, there's got to be something else going on there. And then at, from a, a Marvel Universe at whole, that means like the way they framed it as the Skrulls being refugees and they uh, and so like they just need a place to be safe from the Kree and then their part of the war is kind of over. Uh, it kind of ruins some of the chances of a potential secret invasion storyline which is the storyline where the scrolls assume identities of our favorite superheroes and pretend to be them and then our superheroes find out and it's really dramatic because it's like oh who's a scroll and people yeah, there's die been a lot of talk but about, um, there's been a lot of talk about which characters among the avengers and other heroes in mcu have been replaced by scrolls and there's theories going back and forth and with the um with the release of Captain Marvel, it looks like most of that uh, is going to be pushed aside. Yeah, those theories should be mute, unless the only way I see they could explain it is they're just like, those were those scrolls, and here is a radical group of scrolls that are invading Earth. Yeah. And then it's unfortunate because we don't get to see Ben Mendelssohn's Talos character, which was performed really well. Definitely. Um... But yeah, uh, since we're talking about him, uh, there there was a moment where he kind of... You, you really just need a filler scene, and maybe they cut it from the movie, but you definitely could have given it... Because I think the film is just under two hours, right? Yeah. So no. you definitely could have given the scene, or better foreshadowing at the beginning of the movie. The huge caveat, uh, both Ian and I have only seen the movie once, so it's possible we're forgetting something. But... They could have foreshadowed that 
uh, Talos had a child or something. Like, give him some sort of redeemable quality at the beginning. Because I... Th- are you saying so that way the, the audience knows from the beginning that he's redeemable. Right. Whereas... Otherwise, we're just like, the scrolls are the enemy of the Kree. And that's true, but we don't fully understand why or how and whatnot. Um, I believe... A uh, quick tangent that may uh, come back to that is I believe a lot of the the way the film was written and shot, uh, the it, it's not shot in a linear fashion. Um, Correct. I believe that part of that is so that we can follow along as as she learns Carol about Danvers things. Learns about yep. her own past. Definitely. And I think that is a smart choice. Um, but given that there are scenes with just Talos and whatnot kind of thing, or just Yanrog, but we would get we would figure it out before that that we should have gotten something. And it's like, oh, maybe things aren't what they seem because there's a lot of dialogue, especially um, between at separate times throughout the movie between Nick Fury, Talos and Captain Marvel, uh, where they all make comments to uh, essentially like war is bad and everybody does bad things in war. Like Samuel, uh, Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson. Um, They're the same person. Yeah, Fury talks about uh, the Cold War and he's like, we did everything in that time, you know? Uh, and Talos says to Captain Marvel, like, my hands are bloody too. Uh, because in war, both sides are, to a certain extent, and this this isn't always true, um, especially in, like, a lot of the comic book wars, though, a lot of times both parties are in the wrong. And that's kind of true in the comic book Skrull and Kree War. And so by taking that element away, it was a little strange. Something else that I found interesting uh, that, and I guess the way that they, the way this was shot was part of the the audience finds out at the same time that Carol does, although it didn't really happen. So Jan Rog, Jude Law's character, starts off the movie as the commander of the Star Force that... Sure she's a part of so they're on the same team according to her she's he's a good guy right and then later on the film we get an idea that he's potentially the bad guy that we're starting to see some like different sides of him and then he uh he gets to earth and or no not Earth, sorry uh on the ship i believe when ronan the accuser is talking to him he protects her and says that they'll figure it out themselves they'll they'll work it out without ronan well, so potentially he's still a little bit good, and then he gets to Earth, and he is that guy. Like it, it, it I mean, seems like there was a lot of back and forth. It seems like he's human, so to speak, but um, that like he's had this mentor-mentee relationship with Carol, with Veers, um, with Veers, and he really like wants her to succeed and become a weapon in this war um and it sounds like he has a mission directly from the supreme intelligence 
and they even mentioned that he's talked to the supreme intelligence before when a lot of people haven't mm-hmm. um and so it kind of sounds like he's has like a more personal stake in her staying with the Cree effort uh which is why that I didn't really think about that too much. He was just like, oh, I'm going to... Like, think about it from a Luke Skywalker kind of thing. It's, uh, I'm going to try to save Darth Vader until the end, until I can't. Which, of course, in Luke Skywalker's situation, it works out. In Yogg Rog's situation, it does not. (laughs) Uh, He's trying to, like, save Veers for the Kree Empire at every step, but when it finally goes too far... He tries to stop her. Yeah. Um, speaking of Jan Rog's like interest in um, Veers's Carol Danvers' like improvement in her abilities, the climactic fight scene between the two. Well, I guess it's not very climactic. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, between, between two. On Earth or on the uh, ship. On Earth on earth so not um, the fight scene i mean one of them fights <laughs> i that that's what you were sa- you're saying earlier that's uh not anticlimactic i was like that moment was a little anticlimactic yeah that one i was uh, i definitely think she should have beaten him up with just her fists yeah that was my point was gonna be like that was the moment to do that he uh he had his weapons drawn, she had her fists ready, and then in a comedic scenario, he puts us away and says, I'm so proud of you. And then he goes on to say, um, now prove yourself and prove that you are stronger, or prove that you, you are able, like fight me without your powers. And she proceeds to shoot first. She blasts him, yeah. Uh, yes. And so my thought was, is he genuinely wanting her to overcome that, or does he think that if they fight with no powers, he can take her? Like, I think it's a little both. Probably a little. Uh, both. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little both, because it's like, on one hand, yeah, he's got that mentor relationship with her for six years or whatever it was, um, and so like he he's like I said, he's got some stake with her, but at the same time, it is like he definitely has a better chance of beating her. Uh, powerless and that's the mission after all Uh, let's move on from Yanrog and the scrolls just real quick I want to make a comment uh, and I don't know if you noticed this or felt the same way about it I felt a little strange about her power inconsistency throughout the film and there was one moment in particular I want to draw to that at very the first half of the movie roughly um people make comments that you can't control it you uh have no self-control no composure all these things um and so she can't control her own powers and then uh there's a scene where she's displaying her powers for her friend maria and she heats up a tea kettle i was like that looks pretty composed um when did that happen and um i i thought that was a little strange because i was like the the entire time when she was heating up that tea kettle i was like 
tea kettle blow up, tea kettle blow up, tea kettle blow up. Because that's the only way that scene works. <laughs> because she hasn't had the experience yet to right. draw something with that much like fine detail. Like that's that's something you need like a doctor's like steady hand for. It's not I, like I think you can have that kind of moment, which it's pointless later, but um, like she can have that level of control after her final conversation with the supreme intelligence, and she yes. overcomes everything and whatnot, and becomes who she was always meant to be. Yes. Um, so I thought that was a little strange. Um, also, going into the supreme intelligence, uh, so the supreme intelligence. Uh, from what I've seen in the comics and maybe it's really old comics and they've changed it uh, the Supreme Intelligence was kind of a giant floating head in like this vat of liquid that the Kree Empire did like listen to at every move um, and they've changed the Supreme Intelligence uh, into an AI which I thought was I, I don't remember That's if in the comics it is an AI or if it's strictly or an organic uh, sounds like a product of the times kind of thing. Like, uh, and that's okay. And, and that's not the part that bothers me. I yeah. just think it diminishes our chances of ever seeing Modoc on screen. Yeah. And that's just the fanboy in me talking. But <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I, I'm definitely okay with changing certain aspects of source material to fit a. Yeah, no. Common area because this is going back to the the whole thing with Thanos and his his um, role in Infinity War and and what his goal was. His plan was to wipe out half the universe so that everyone could have food. Sure. And that's not the same as his comic intentions in which he right. wants to court death. And I've seen some arguments in the past, and I know this is kind of a tangent, but it, it comes back to it. I've seen some arguments in the past that said the whole idea of courting death was because America had a fixation with death in Vietnam and what, hmm. all the stuff at the time, and that the idea of courting death was a product of the times. And so when we're making a film set in 2018-ish, um, the same thing doesn't work as well anymore. But world hunger is an issue, sure. But world hunger is a big issue. And so I think, similarly, the idea with the Supreme Intelligence is the giant floating head in a jar of liquid seems much more sci-fi to an older time yeah. period. But now we're going to the idea of, of Dang. artificial intelligence is the new sci-fi. So I hate to say it, but that's... And, and I, I'm an engineer, and that's a real bummer, because... I much prefer the floating heads to AIs. Um, but, yeah. And so it goes. Um, we were talking earlier about people that could have been in this movie to connect it to the universe at whole. Uh, there's three or four characters that come to mind. I mean, you were mentioning a, a reference to Caecilius. I think that one might be a bit of a stretch. I think yeah. they could have referenced Xandar just in a comment uh, but char actual characters they could have referenced they could have done Hale from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 5 uh, because she was in the Air Force they could have done um, 
Everett Ross, Martin Freeman's character in Civil War and Black Panther. That would have been interesting. Um, because he was from the Air Force, um, and probably the biggest one they could have done, which in the comics was her boyfriend and whatnot, and we know he was in the Air Force, and he's been a big part of the Marvel Universe, and that's Rhodey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it was kind of a shame that they didn't get to reveal that they've known each other all this time, and you could have had that moment in Endgame when they were like, I thought you were dead. Um, while everyone else is dead, they get someone back, you know? That would have been nice. That would have been a nice way to, um, for um, back to the source material. But people they did throw in there to connect it to the universe at whole, Korath, Ronin, um, Coulson. Uh, I thought Coulson's part was fantastic. I wish there was more. I could never get enough of that character. Absolutely. The, every scene that he had on screen was was fantastic. It was fantastic. And it's interesting to see uh, there is a scene where uh, Fury and Carol Danvers are on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which has been inf- infiltrated by the Kree, and they are stopped by a young rookie. It was infiltrated by the Skrulls, by the way. Skrulls, my bad, sorry. Um, I apologize, I should just, you know, stop. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, Phil Coulson stops them, and then tells the rest of his superiors that he doesn't have an eye on them and lets them get away. And I like that it's kind of showing his camaraderie and yeah yeah. um that we we end up seeing in agents of shield and in the early no yeah definitely that level of loyalty and fury even has a comment i I don't exactly remember what it was but he was like maybe it was just a rookie agent following his gut or something like that and i was just like oh wow man you know um also the de-aging technology in this movie was fantastic i mean Samuel Jackson's like a 70 year old man and looks pretty good looks pretty good for his age Uh, (laughs) uh, going back to Korath there was a moment when he's like spinning on some sort of engine or something Um, and I really wish this is kind of where I wanted them to take it because I don't know if in the comics he's like always been a cyborg like in Guardians they revealed when Drax kills him Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of wish that he like wasn't always a cyborg and that's why he's just with the Kree and then he uh, whatever happens on that spinning device I really wanted him to nearly die and then Ronan saves him somehow or something and so we just get a little bit of a backstory yeah and it's just like oh man that's that's pretty cool that's where your loyalty comes from um speaking of ronin um did you catch that line at the end that will will come back yes for weapon, but for her ronin will not come back but yes ronin is, uh, <laughs> ronin is no more uh, perhaps the accusers will or perhaps the scroll kree war will actually come to earth um yeah. but Again, it's more of the Kree invasion rather than the Skrull Kree war. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say the crease. Um, like at least the way it's framed right now. They're going to need to do some quick retconning on that. Um, very cool tease for um, Monica Rambo, who will eventually become... I don't know. I'm assuming when they give her her powers, she'll be called Photon because her mom's plane and uh, her call sign was Photon. Um, even though there's two other great names they could go with her, which is Spectrum. Um, and then she, too, at one point was a Captain Marvel. But uh, We just got one Captain Marvel. We won't right. Have one if you just right. One. But, I mean, there's like Spectrum and Photon. Yeah. So she's got some options, names on the table. What did you think about the decision to make Marvel a woman? Right, they gender bent Marvel, and I w- at first I was like, "What?" And then I was like, eh, "It kind of works." I mean, she's not as like cool as Marvel is in the comics. Like, Marvel's awesome, <laughs> um, whereas she is just like. I mean, she's trying to save an entire race of people, which is she's cool. She's a uh, but very intelligent engineer. Yeah, she's she's just pretty casual. Um, which is kind of interesting, because it seems like Yon-Rogg and Marvel's roles kind of got switched. Because in the comics, Yon-Rogg is a crazy engineer scientist, and Marvel is the soldier. And so that is interesting. And Jan Rog is the outcast, whereas in this Marvel is the outcast. That's very interesting. They kind of switched that whole role. Um, a lot of uh, messing with the source material in this movie. Which, yeah, again, can, can be a good thing depending it, on what we're changing. No, I mean it's a uh, is a change, good or bad is a change. Um, I did like. Minerva's comment that kind of hinted at something might else be going wrong when she was like, oh, I've been to Earth. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, (laughs) when she said that, I was immediately like, what? No, you haven't. (laughs) And then she had. um, Because it happened in the best of ways. I didn't expect her to be there with Yanrog in those final moments. That was, that was, uh... Um... Let's see what else we got. I guess we've been kind of avoiding talking about it. first one more comment. Um, Fury, young, naive, not serious at all, <laughs> and no. it was it was a good and bad thing. I think uh, it was fantastic from a, as a performance, um, but I think and as of right now, we only have Black Widow to fill in a, the gap between. Uh, Captain Marvel and Iron Man uh, because I think Black Widow will take place in 2005 or something Um, and I think Fury is casted in it Um, so maybe in that we'll see a shift from his naivety to a more serious like doesn't take anything from nobody I I assume or it does feel like he would have changed with how the movie ended and the uh, Avengers initiative that he created. Um, just the idea that 
their most powerful defense mechanism is now gone, that someone has to step up and right, definitely make sure that they're ready. So even if he was not as serious throughout this entire film, it seems that he could have decided to uh, be a little bit more serious and, and focus on his work. And what great in ending scene and then an in credit scene, um, we we see Fury writing the Avengers Initiative, and that is so cool. Um, yes. And, um, and then the so two in credit scenes. Um, one of them I almost equate to the second Ant Man and the Wasp in credit scene. Uh, I believe the second in credit scene of Ant-Man and the Wasp was just the ant playing drums, mm -hmm. which felt like a waste of my time. But uh, in this one, the first one is actually looks like a scene from Endgame, so definitely stay for that one. That one was cool. Yeah. Um, second one was... Uh, the second one wasn't super necessary, but it was just like, and then this happens. <laughs> for the cat that's, that's more screen was. time for the cat because somehow it didn't get enough i don't know i thought the cat had too much screen time that was very funny in the theater uh the whole reveal that uh goose was not a normal house cat i thought it was funnier the way talos reacted to it than anyone else <laughs> it was just like oh he's just afraid of cats but we all a few of us know it's not a cat and he's just like oh no oh no get that thing away from me and he's even like what is it called uh a flerkin or something a flerkin a flerkin and he's just like that's a flerkin and they're all like what <laughs> yeah the entire uh audience kind of erupted when the uh cat opened its mouth and tentacles came out yes see a fantastic comic book moment but um yeah which brings us to something that does it diminish this character fury gets his eye scratched out in this movie and i say scratched because it's a cat claw that scratches him I have a bit of pro I have a I have a problem with this, and I believe you do too. Um, we were told by Fury himself that he lost that eye the last time he trusted someone, and it was a very serious moment to show that he doesn't trust anyone. He and he takes everything seriously, and we find out in Captain Marvel that it was a cat that scratched his eye out when he was trying to pick it up. That he, like, just met a, f a day ago or something? A day ago like, or something like that. It was... Uh, and it, it kind of... Yeah, it kind of diminishes the, the gravity of the situation that it, he, he said that line in. It does, and I think there was a moment that they tried to alleviate it, and I thought it was so funny in the theaters. When he picks up the cat earlier, earlier than that happens, uh, and he says, "I'm trusting you to handle this," <laughs> and then he like holds the cat like a shotgun kind of thing, and the cat's tentacles come out and whatnot, or it doesn't. I don't even remember, 
uh at that moment but um like like that emphasis on that word trust i was like i see what you did there but not gonna fly it's not quite what we wanted i, I really about. wanted i think the best outcome that could have happened for fury losing his eye and it salvages the scrolls still being evil is talos talos so like they're going through this yes uh fury talos and carol are all working together now and then talos betrays them at a certain point for whatever reason he has motivations um because some of the things he's been saying were lies or whatever and i really wanted uh have you so in the walking dead i think in season six or five carl gets his eye shot out by his dad rick who's the main character yeah or one of the main characters but like the most main character who's been there since the beginning and so it's his son and the now in that show it's a complete accident he shoots a zombie and the bullet goes through the zombie and hits his son in the eye and somehow his son survives but that's what I really wanted to happen is I wanted Talos to shoot Fury in the eye and I was like and that like he trusted this alien and that's why he's like nope no more aliens I think that would have been a better moment than getting his uh, eye scratched out by a cat which was just playing up for laughs right um, also it would have been like that would have been a cool moment, you know, where we're all just like, oh, shoot, rather than yeah, like, oh, oh, poor guy. that That's how it happens. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, the repercussions of trust. That's what happens. Um, yeah, Goose probably had a little too much screen time. Some of it was very good. Um, like the initial tentacles coming out the first meeting of fury worked out really well um one but thing that i did like one thing that i did like uh about the uh, times that we saw goose was the times in that bunker when fury and uh, danvers were trying to find information and every now and then we get a shot of a hallway and then the cat's just staring at them yeah I you're just still that. there <laughs> because for I guess for normal movie go if you didn't understand that was an alien, it's just like oh look that's the cat, still there. <laughs> but yeah, now if you know uh, hindsight, if you look back and you realize that that's an alien watching them, yeah, it's a little bit more interesting. And then I'm wondering if like at that base people just go missing, yeah, right? You know the cat just eats them every once in a while. Um, I wonder if anyone would notice. Yeah, uh, another cool connection. Uh, the Tesseract was in this movie that, oh, oh my gosh, I don't know if you picked up on it immediately or if you heard me say it, I saw a blue light and I said, the that Tesseract, was <laughs> that was crazy. That was this, um, uh, for context, the scene in which we first see the Tesseract is a large open room with a lot of stuff to look at. And in one small corner of the room, there's a glowing blue light. And Josh immediately says the Tesseract. Oh, it was crazy. It was, it was legendary. Because then they gave you a close-up shot of it, and it was like, oh, my goodness. 
and what a good way to tie that in when they're just like talking about this device that can do things and you're just like yeah okay it's kind of a MacGuffin and then you're just like oh it's a MacGuffin we've seen before (laughs) (laughs) we know what to do with this yeah and then it's like that's gonna be important in 17 years 23 years Uh, I also I don't what I see that covers most of my problems with the movie I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted I have one more problem uh, and it's not actually a problem with this movie but so I'm gonna talk still about the movie the problem I have is about going forward Uh, one last thing I'd like to say is positively there's only one last positive thing to say about this movie I'm kidding but uh think guardians of the galaxy that movie comes out and gives us a ton of 70s 80s songs i don't actually know which decade they were from um mostly uh, 80s but a little bit of but a l- yeah because there were a few that were late 70s or something yeah. um and just the entire uh playlist is just so reminiscing of that generation right and the film kind of feels that way and whatnot so now captain marvel not so much the playlist i mean maybe i just didn't notice it but there were it felt like they were walking around the 90s it did. There was you know, a lot of stuff that was played. They for they use a payphone. They the car they're driving is just like in Pulp Fiction, which came out in the nineties, um, which Samuel Jackson was also in. Um, uh, so there was a Pulp Fiction reference. There was a Terminator reference. There was an Independence Day reference. Uh, Jack, one of our friends, told. Him, uh, because I didn't notice it. She was wearing a Nine Inch Nails shirt at one yeah, point. She, yeah, I noticed that. Uh, for, for most of the movie, actually. Anytime that white tank tops there, that's a Nine Inch Nails shirt. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, like, there was a, a lot of good 90s references visually. The music was also straight. It was just the 90s as well. Were they all in the 90s? Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Everything was... I, almost every single song was a 90s reference. Very cool. I'm with it. Uh, which I, I enjoyed. Um because like that when when that it not i don't even know how to describe him scumbag of a dude uh when he's just like looking her up and it's like i think we're all in agreement that was super creepy like I, I don't know what kind of guy you need to be like, yep, that's okay. Um, he's just like three feet away from her, just looking her up and down. like, <laughs> And she's just like clearly giving her him the stink eye. And then, but then right after when she steals that leather jacket and uh, his motorcycle, I'm like, yes, Terminator. <laughs> and then there was a, a moment, the flashback i think well the memory i guess it is more of um since it's not really too many flashbacks they're all memories i guess um they it almost looked and i might just be remembering this wrong but it almost looked shot for shot of the independence day scene 
when Will Smith is shooting down that first alien of the movie. Uh, when they were flying through that canyon. Gotcha. And I was just like, yes, this is the kind of nostalgia I needed. And I didn't know I wanted. Also, the fight choreography was fantastic. One thing that I noticed, um, and I, I caught onto this in the training session between at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Between, um, Jan Rog and, Jan Rog and Veers. Uh, Veers. That the sound effects that were added to their punches were different. The sound, the sound effects that were added to Jan Rog's hits were much lighter. They 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 didn't sound like slaps, but they sounded like like fist hitting a hand and like block, and then every one of her punches had like gravity to it, like extra like, bass on it. Yeah, and I was like, hmm. that's an interesting way to try and frame the scene because, I mean, if you listen, if you've ever listened to fights or fight scenes without any of the sound effects, they sound nothing alike. All of the right, all of the hits, all of it's added in post, and it was an interesting move. Um, Showing that even from off the bat, that she has just this raw power. Definitely, um, a little subconscious that, hints. At yeah, and that kind of brings me back to I remembered one last problem that I have with this film, is that this is an origin story. Yes, and the Superman problem. Yes, that there's just <laughs> nothing that can stop her. By the end of this film, she turned away several warships. Single-handedly, she Single-handedly. fights off an armada of uh, accusers. Yeah, by herself. And where do you where do you go from there? Like this, <laughs> this is, I mean, I get it. And I and she's supposed to be. She's been said multiple times uh, by people at Marvel that she will be the most powerful superhero in the Marvel universe, at least for the next um, good couple movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it. Very, it's an interesting choice to make her this powerful in her origin story. Uh, take, for instance, the other character who is generally considered to be one of the most powerful people, Thor. Right. It has taken him three movies to get to the scene where he jumps through the air with his lightning hammer at, in Infinity War. And is, wipes out a plethora of those yes. monsters. He didn't, he didn't do that right off the bat. He had power. He had a lot of power. But he wasn't able to do that mentally um, or physically. He just wasn't. He wasn't there. And within one movie, within about a week of time, Captain Marvel was able to do that. Yeah, and, and I agree. And I don't think it's a problem with this film because I think this film did a good job of uh, giving her. I agree that it wasn't. It wasn't a problem for this film. Extra, like, emotional baggage because of all her amnesia and whatnot, which is why I think it worked. But it is definitely a potential problem going forward. But I think the right person to hand people to handle this are handling it, which is the Russo brothers, because they do such a good job going back to Winter Soldier, Civil War, and Infinity War such a good job of exploiting powerful people's flaws and i'm just so excited to see what they do with this character because like captain america he's his perfect teeth right and yet he always winces whenever someone says bucky barnes and so a bomb goes off because of it kind of thing and 
and there's consequences for those flaws. Um, we mentioned Peter Quill in the last episode about how they exploit his flaws, and so I am very excited to see how the Russo brothers deal with this this superwoman of Captain Marvel. <laughs> going to be interesting because in a, in a solo movie the enemies were relatively fit for her power wise correct I, mean, she, she, I agree she does she does single-handedly take down an armada but that's showing us how powerful that she is however in the very next film in this entire franchise she's going to be put up with all the other heroes and i'm expecting a significant power gap i agree between I agree. Them, between between like even Thor can be like this. I can't really handle this. I because I think Thor will probably be the closest to her. He's definitely going to be the closest. Um, Thor really really angry. Even though I agree, I think that, and it's kind of unfortunate that they framed it this way, because I think Scarlet Witch should be the most powerful hero on the Avengers, because they have yet to do her powers one hundred percent correctly. That is true. She has um, the capability of being potentially the strongest character overall. Yeah, in the storyline at large. Because yeah, she because she has control over reality itself essentially. Right, and so it's unfortunate that they haven't done that for her yet, but it seems like they have a different. Uh, what's going to be her kryptonite kind of thing? I'm curious. And. We'll just have to see, but it's not a flawless film, but it was very enjoyable. Yes, definitely enjoyable. Um, we recommend you go see it if you haven't already, or go see it another time, because I definitely want to go re-see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we spoiled a lot of it, but there's still a few moments that definitely watch them for. There's a whole, like witty comeback moment between fury and captain marvel that's like every line is almost comical we can't <laughs> go over in this podcast we can't go over every single detail of the film so right even this has already been stuff yeah it's already been a pretty long episode um a little longer than i wanted it to be but go see this movie i'm all for it um I stand by it. If if I had to give this movie a ranking, and I don't know if I'm going to give all movies rankings, I haven't decided. But one of my friends from back home asked me, so I I had to pick a number for him. Uh, I said I give this movie an eight as a or an eight and a half as a movie. Um, however, I only give it a seven and a half as a Marvel movie. Um, because of some of those problems we were talking about, um, because the Marvel movies do have those extra baggage of being canon of this 20-movie universe. I uh, was actually similarly discussing uh, this movie with someone else who asked me to rank it, and I gave it a B-, a tentative B-. Yeah, there you go. Could have been better. (laughs) Could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. (laughs) Uh, happy it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I don't know what the next movie is going to be that I, we go see, but uh, we're in the end game now. We're in the end game now. All right, folks. Everybody have Let's a good one. And uh, we'll hope to see you on the next one. Yeah. Take care.
This has been Unanimous Indecision. I hope you like our indecisiveness.